Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you.
grateful. You may be seated. What a great song. What powerful words. Wonderful when we can all raise our voices together and sing that. It's, it's good for us, but I believe that it also pleases the Lord. Take your Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We have been looking at the book of Philippians in a series. I can do all things through Christ. Right? What's the memory verse? Let's try that. Let's do that together. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Right? I can through Christ. I can Through Christ. So the first week we talked about our confidence in Christ and our our mind in Christ. And and this week we're going to talk about pressing on. I can, through Christ, press on. Philippians 3, let's start in verse 10. I love these. We're going to read 10 to 14 and these are some wonderful verses. Paul the Apostle says, verse 10, That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I, uh, also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Paul said, that I may know him. That I may know him. Boy, that that is a purpose in our Christian life. Not that I can be... Uh, a perfect Christian, not that I can, you know, check all the boxes, not that I can be, you know, squeaky clean. No, that I may, that I may know him, that I may know Christ. Right. And then he says how that I may know him, his resurrection, his suffering. He said being made conformable unto his death. This is the gospel. This is the gospel, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the effect of the gospel on an individual that believes is that we're changed. Paul certainly is an example of that. When he when he put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he was changed. He was a different, different person. I would say this, that you 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 can't really know him. Until you've believed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can know about Him. There's facts that you can know. But boy, that's different, isn't it? Than knowing Him. And the way that we know Him. 
is through the gospel, in the gospel, in the gospel of Christ. Paul was not the same after he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He was not the same. His focus changed. His priorities changed. His goals changed. Paul said that I may know him. I I think this is a, a good spot to ask this question. Do you know him? Do you know him? Not do you know about him, but do you talk to him in prayer? Do you have fellowship with him? Does he speak to you? I mean, do you know him? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, as friend, as master, as the good shepherd? <laughs> as, do you know him as the sacrifice for your sin, just as we sang some of the songs, that he is my sacrifice, my eternal lamb that paid for my sin. Can I tell you that this that Paul's talking about here has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That I may know Him. That I may know Him. Matter of fact, the verses before this, Paul said, I had to give up my religion. I had to lose my religion in order to enter into this relationship with God. Let's read those verses, just right before it, starting in verse 7. Philippians 3, verse 7. Paul says, but, the, but what things were gained to me, and if you read the verses before that, he's talking about all the things that he had accomplished in his life up to the point of meeting the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a Pharisee. He was zealous. He was blameless according to the law. He was thriving. He, you know what's interesting? Paul, Paul, before he met the Lord Jesus Christ, thought that he was serving God by persecuting Christ. He thought that he was serving God by persecuting the church. When he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he said, Lord, who art thou? He didn't know him. He said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. You know what? He had to to leave all that behind. All that he had worked for. All that he had attained. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. That I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness. Boy, for a man that had spent his entire life building his own righteousness. He says that in verse 6, if you just look ahead, uh, look back a, a little bit. He said, you know, touching the righteousness of the law, he was blameless. But he said, to be found in him not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. The righteousness which is of God by faith. You know what Paul said? I traded my righteousness for his righteousness by faith. You know, the kind of righteousness that he had was the righteousness of the law. That's, that could keep you out of trouble. It would keep you, you know, from 
you know, make you an upstanding citizen. It, it has all kinds of benefits probably, but you know what it could not do? It could not bring you into a relationship with God. It could not give eternal life. No matter how much of our own righteousness we have, it doesn't measure up. We've all come short of the glory of God. It just doesn't measure up. And so we need that righteousness which is of God. Each and every one of us needs the righteousness, imputed righteousness of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We're all in need of that same thing. Paul said, I was willing to trade that. I was willing to lose my own righteousness for the righteousness which is of God, to enter into a relationship with God. You know, Paul had a religion. But you know, Paul's religion was leading him to a bad end. Pure religion, true religion, will lead you to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll lead you to the cross of Christ. It'll lead you to, the, to a relationship with Christ. Would you agree that Paul made a good trade? <laughs> he made a good trade. If you think of all the things that Paul lost, and then think of all the things that Paul gained, would you agree, standing here, looking at the, his life story, you know what? Paul the Apostle made the right trade. As a, as a leader in his community, as a scholar, as a, I'm sure he was popular in his community and all those sort of things. But he traded all that to enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and to be able to truly serve the one true God. He says, I'm going to press toward the mark. I'm going to press toward the mark. Here's the thing. If we are going to press toward the mark, if we're going to strive to grow in our walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, there are going to be some things that we're going to have to cut our losses. For all of us. There's going to be some things we're just going to have to say, you know what? That's going to have to fall away. That's, good. That's not what is important. And I'm willing to trade those things for something else. Paul the Apostle did that. Moses understood that. When we read um, in... Hebrews chapter 11, the heroes of the faith, and it's talking about Moses of the Old Testament. The Bible says this about Moses. It says, Hebrews eleven twenty four 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather, here's the choice, here's the trade-off, a prince of Egypt, or choosing rather to suffer Affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming. You know, Moses, you know what he did? He did some estimating. He, 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 ran, he ran an estimate. He said, hey, I can spend the rest of my life as a prince in wealth in Egypt. Or I could be reproached with the people of God in servitude, right? I could, I could identify with God's people. And right now they're, they're being reproached. He said, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Think about that, putting on both pages. All the wealth of Egypt and all the comforts 
And all those things that came with being a prince. The greatest world power at the time. And then the reproach of Christ. The worst part of walking with the Lord and having a relationship. You know what he said? The worst part of having a relationship with Christ is better than the best part of the world. That's, what, that's how he came about. Moses said, the worst, the reproach of Christ is better than the pleasures and comforts and things of this world. He made a choice. Hey, I'm willing to cut my losses here. Let me ask you this question. Did Moses make a good choice? Did Moses make a good trade? He said, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Do you know what Moses was able to do by faith? You know what Paul was able to do by faith? And here's what I'm trying to bring us to the point to do by faith, is look to the end and say, if I give this up now to press after that today, how is it going to end? What's the reward at the end? Not how is it going to feel today necessarily, but there's an end, right? There is an end. There is an end. We have to make a choice. Moses made a choice. Paul made a choice. And can I say this? We all make a choice. We're all going to make a choice. What we, what we strive after, what we go for, what we, you know, live for. Paul, as he writes this, the things he lost, they were not small things. Again, Paul, Paul he didn't give up small things. He gave up his whole, his whole identity. Everything about who he was. But after his new birth, after he met the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus, his value system changed. His focus changed. How he counted things changed. How he estimated things changed. What he thought was important and what he thought was not changed. And well, here's what I find is wonderful about Paul. When we read this, I mentioned prison epistle, he's at the end of his life. He's served the Lord for many years, right? He's still reaching after something. He's still going after. He's still pressing, right? He's still uh, following after. He hadn't got to a place where he thought that he arrived. You know what Paul thought? I don't think that I've arrived yet. Because when I've arrived, that means I'm in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll know when I've arrived. (laughs) I'll be looking the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. Until then, none of us have arrived. Until that day. One day that is. We just sang about it. And it's good to think about. One day we're going to stand before God and see Him face to face. But until then, we haven't arrived. Until then, we're still here. Right? And there's still a purpose for our being here. For our uh, uh, purpose in Christ. So he said, I'm not arrived yet. So I'm pressing toward the mark. And as you read those verses in, in verses 10 to 14, there's a visual here. I mean, it's almost like an athlete just, just, just giving it their all. Just, just putting everything, reaching, just striving, pushing, putting every last ounce of energy for something that they're striving after. That's the visual when I'm reading this, that he's pressing, he's going after it. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a tenacity to those words, is, is there not? A spiritual tenacity. 
And I think it's wonderful to see the zeal of a new believer. That's great, isn't it? It's wonderful. I love it. To see that zeal of a new believer. But you know what's really inspiring? Is to see someone who has spent years and years of their life serving the Lord. And they're still fired up. They still have some tenacity. They're still reaching. They're still, it's almost like, man, I just talked to this person. They've been at it a long time. But they have this air about them as if they're just getting started. You know, but just there's a there's a hunger, there's a tenacity, there's a spiritual thing where they're saying, hey, I'm running a race here. Paul's down at the end of his race and he's acting like I've got I've got something that I've got to prove. I've got somewhere I've got to go. I've got a mark that I've got to hit. Paul had a spiritual tenacity. We talked on Wednesday night. We're studying through first Corinthians and we read first Corinthians chapter nine. And Paul in that chapter said, so run. Right? Not to obtain a corruptible crown, but an incorruptible. In, in chapter 9, he uses the example of how athletes will, will, will discipline their bodies to such great degrees to win the prize, to win the game, to set the record, to do the best. And he said, people, the athletes will go to extremes to do this. And Paul said, why would I not be that much more to win an incorruptible crown. They do it for a trophy. They do it for, you know, something that's temporal. He said, I'm doing it for something that's lasting, something etern- eternal. So he says, I'm going to run my race. I'm running to a destination. Paul says, I, he says in that, in that chapter, 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I therefore so run not as uncertainly. You know what he's saying? Hey, I'm running, but I'm not just running in circles here. I'm not just running and, you know, I'm not going to end up where I started. Paul said, I'm running certainly. I have, a, I have a course that God's put in my life. And I'm running with purpose. There's a purpose for what he was running for. He was a man on a mission. He was a man on a mission. You know, I think, let's just say the church is over. And I said, hey, let's all go for a quick 100-yard dash, Right? I wouldn't have a lot of takers, you know? Be like, I, I've got no motivation to do that right now, right? There's really no reason, you know, Sean, that's crazy. But you know what? If someone started screaming for help, people would take off. When you have a motivation, when you have something that you're running to, when there's a purpose in your life, something that is calling you, right? Your kid starts calling you. You don't feel like running the 100, but you would if you had to. Right? And this was what Paul said. Hey, I have to. The Lord's calling me for something. And there's something pulling me. There's a mark. I, you know, this is something that I, I, it, I must do. It's pulling me that way. That's how Paul lived, even up to the end of his life. That's inspiring. That's inspiring. I would say that for many of us as Christians today, although we know that we've been called to a purpose, Can we truly say, I'm pressing toward the mark, like the bullseye. I'm pressing toward the mark. You know what a lot lot would say? What is the mark? Like, I do feel like I've been going in circles. Like, what is the mark? What do I get up in the morning and strive after and seek after? What is the purpose? You know what Paul said in in that passage? I think it's in verse 13. 
He says, but this one thing I do. This one thing I do. You know, so many times we're trying to hit too many marks. We're going after too many things. Talked about that last week, the single-minded. You know what Paul said? Hey, this one thing I do. The single-mindedness. Wouldn't you say that as you read these verses that this is pretty dramatic, pretty intense? Again, for an individual that's at the end of his life, still purposeful, still moving towards something with, with laser-like focus. He is, Paul the Apostle was like a, like a racehorse with blinders on, saying, this is my direction. This is the course that God's called for me. I told the story on Wednesday night about the, the individual that I asked this past week, what's your purpose in life? And how that that, you know, college age man, how that threw him off. But you know what? There's probably a lot of Christians, those that have been born again and trusted Christ as their Savior, that would have a hard time answering that question. What is my purpose in life? What is my mark? What am I doing here? Right? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? Of all people that should have a mark, that should have a purpose, that should have a destination, that should be focused and pressing towards something, it's God's people. With God's word and his promises and his callings in our life. Now remember, we covered this last week. Paul was not doing this of his own strength, of his own might. No, he gave all the glory to God for all that was done in his life. And just as we read last week, for it's God that worketh in you, right? It's God that works in us. It's God that works this salvation into us that we're to work out. Work out your own salvation. God in us and God through us. I think sometimes when we think of the direction that we're heading... And the, and the purpose of our life. It is important to remember the end. I mentioned that earlier. As a runner in a race, you know what's in their mind? The finish line, right? That tape. Paul, at the end of his life, he said, I finished my race, right? He fought the good fight. He finished his race. Then he said this, I've kept the faith. He kept the faith. He stayed strong in his faith to the Lord throughout. And Paul talks about the end here. He talks about the end as uh, chapter 3 unfolds. Verses 15, he tells the believers to keep, keep uh, what to keep our minds on and our walk in verse 16. And then he begins some warnings, verses 17 to 19. Philippians 3, 17 to 19. Brother, and be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as ye have us for examples. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose, look at this, whose end is destruction. You know what, you know what Moses said? Moses said, There's pleasure in sin for a season. But somehow, by faith, he was willing to see that sin does not end well. He was able to see that the wages of sin is what? Death. 
He says, look at their end, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. You know what I think of that way? If it feels good, do it, right? If it feels good, do it. Whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. Who, what? Mind earthly things. Paul says, there are those that are enemies of the cross. They mind earthly things. This is not, uh, this is not what should define a Christian. This is not what should define the church of the living God. That our concerns, that our priorities, that our uh, life is, 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 um, uh, is all about, is centered around earthly things. No, he says, that's not it. I believe there's a lot of wisdom in before we set off to a destination, before we set off to a decision, before we head down any direction or any path, that we ask ourselves, how will this end? Right? Where will this take me? Nobody just gets in a vehicle and drives haphazardly and thinks that they're going to end up at the destination that they desire? <laughs> no, you got to have a plan. There's, there's, uh, there's right directions, right? There is wrong directions. You can go the wrong way and you won't end up where you want to end up. That's what he's saying. Think about your end when it comes to eternity. Those are far higher stakes. Would you agree? I mean, we talk about eternity. Why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ did. No one talked about heaven and hell like the Lord Jesus Christ did. Why? Because he knew the facts of it. He knew that there's two destinations. He told us there's two ways. There's two paths. There's not a bunch of paths. Not all roads lead to God. One way leads to God. The Lord Jesus Christ. There's one way to God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one way to eternal life. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. He says there's only two places you can end up. For all of eternity. Heaven or hell. Whose end is destruction. Or we can be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. To have eternal life. Have you considered this? This is what he's telling us uh, as, as believers to consider. Remind earthly things. But then he talks about what a Christian should mind. What our thoughts should be on. Verses 20 to 21. He says, for our conversation, that means our way of life, for our way of life, our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. How much of your life last week was uh, defined as heavenly, eternal? How often did we stop throughout our week, uh, this past week, and, and look for the Lord Jesus Christ? Say, you know what? The Lord's coming back soon. Boy, as I read my Bible, it seems like the signs uh, are pointing to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back soon. I'm looking for that return of Jesus Christ. This is what, you know what? If we get too earthly minded, if our, if our eyes are too much down here, it's hard to look that way, isn't it? He said, hey, Christians, let's not be all earthly minded. But our conversation, our way of life should be defined by eternity. How is this going to end? What's the end of this? Looking for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, here's the good news, verse 21, 
who will change our vile body that we may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Boy, we have something to look forward to. One day we're going to have glorious bodies. According to the working whereby he is able to even to subdue all things unto himself. Our conversation, our way of life should be heavenly. Heavenly minded as opposed to earthly minded. Spiritually minded as opposed to carnally minded. Focused on the things of this world constantly. Now, to be spiritually minded, to be heavenly minded, does not mean that we become um, impractical. It doesn't. It doesn't mean our heads are in the clouds. Matter of fact, I believe to be heavenly minded and eternally minded is to become more practical. More based in reality. What is going to last? What is important? Right? To consider the end before we make a decision. Before we go a certain direction. Is this taking me toward the mark? Is what I'm focusing on drawing me closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? To know Him? Taking me toward the high calling of Jesus Christ? I think of Ephesians 2 and verse 19 where he says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but... Fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. We are fellow citizens of Christ, of heaven, the household of God. We are not aimlessly enduring this life. But we're citizens of heaven, joint heirs with Christ. We're called to a mission, to a purpose on earth. One, to glorify God. One, to, to, to raise up the Lord Jesus Christ as a light to this world. Drawing Folks, to him, pointing the, pointing the way, as we call it, leading people to Christ, pointing the way to the good news, to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're pressing toward the mark, we're running a race. You know, sometimes when you're in a race or uh, hiking, maybe you've gone on a real long uh, hike, wore out, it's like, oh man, you know, you're hurting, thinking, ah, I can't go much farther. But when you get near the finish line, when you get near the end, don't you get a second wind? It's like if it's on a trail, you're getting near the trailhead and you're seeing signs, you know, you know you're getting close to the truck. You're like, well, I'm going to be back. And you, all of a sudden you, you pick up the pace, don't you? You get a little second wind. You know what I'm telling you? I think that the Lord's coming back soon. And I think if we start looking at the signs and the times, you know what it may do? It may, we may pick up our pace a little bit. We may get a little bit of a second wind and say, you know what? I think I can endure this till the Lord comes back. I can, I can continue to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and do what he's called us to do. Why? He's getting close. We're getting close to the truck. Right? We're getting close to the end, of the end of the trail. I can, through Christ, press on. Some Christian endurance, some... Some spiritual tenacity. Focused. Hey, this one thing. Maybe say, what do I take away from this message? Maybe one thing. Maybe just one thing. Hey, this is what I need to do. I need to focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. What about, what about the Lord Jesus Christ do I need to focus on? Him. Again, we're so easily distracted. Just focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. Reading the word. You say, I need to read the book. 
I think I need to be a good Christian. I need to read the Bible so that I can, you know, win the debate, know all the answers. No, no. Read the Bible to know him. That's the one thing. Why do I read the Bible? By the way, why do I come to church? To know him. I mean, it, it becomes a lot more to know him, to draw closer to him. It's the one thing. You say, what will it do? It'll put the wind to your back. It's like the wind in the sails. All of a sudden, you start to feel that joy, feel that purpose. Again, I think this book of rejoicing, I've mentioned this multiple times. This book of joy and book of rejoicing was not because everything was going right in Paul's life. It wasn't. It was because he had a purpose. Because he had a mission. He was, he was fulfilling the calling of God in his life. And the more that he knew Christ, the more he knew what he was supposed to do. The more he was empowered to do what he was supposed to do. Here's the one thing. You say, what is it? That I may know him. You say, I got to try harder. Try harder to be a good person. No, try harder to know him. Try harder to draw close to Him. Focus on Him in prayer, in fellowship with His Word, in communion with Him throughout the day, that I may know Him. What's the one thing? That I may know Him. One thing, there's got to be a spiritual tenacity about that. I want to get closer to the Lord. A purpose. Some things you may have to lose in order to do that. There could be some things that you're just going to have to say, you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to leave it in the past. I'm going to leave it behind. You say, is it, is it wrong? Is it sin? Maybe not. Maybe it's a good thing, but you say, you know what? It's coming between me and Christ. Nothing between Christ and I. Nothing. Paul had to leave some things behind. Moses had to leave some things behind. All of us will. All of us will. There'll be some things that we're going to have to count as loss, losses. So that you can gain. So that you can win something greater. And that is Christ. As we close, I have a question. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know the power of his resurrection in your heart? In your life? Has there been a time in your life where you, where you, where you were introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ? And you entered into a fellowship, a relationship, a marriage covenant with the Lord became one with Christ? Was there a time where you, where you trusted Him as your Lord and Savior? And you can say, I know Him. I know Him as my Savior and my God. If not, today's the day. If not, the Lord calls you. Today's the day of your salvation. You say, how, how could I know that I'm born again? How can I know that I have eternal life? The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. As we believe with our heart and our mind, all of us together crying out and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm trusting you, your sacrifice for my sin. Making you my Lord and my God. It's by faith, by grace, through faith. Would you do that today? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, in a moment, here's the invitation. I'm going to give you a chance to pray and ask the Lord to save you. You know what? It's nothing to be ashamed about. I guarantee you, if you are able, if we are able, it's hard for us. We're so earthly. So hard. 
but someone that has trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and someone that hit the biggest lottery, if you were to try to compare the two, the one far outweighs the other. One is eternal and one is temporal. I'm trying to put that in perspective. This is good news. This is the best thing that could ever happen to an individual. It's to know that they're forgiven and made right with God, put in right standing with God, justified. This is good news. This is good news. This is nothing to be ashamed of. Matter of fact, this is the one thing that you would want everyone to know. You say, what is the one thing? I'm a child of God. I've been forgiven. I've been born again. That's the one thing. The one thing. Have you been born again? Have you been changed by the gospel? By the resurrection? By the death of Jesus Christ? Christ died for you. He died for you. Are you willing to put your faith and trust in him and nothing else? taking the time to listen today. We love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website or write to us at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio, 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.